Hello and welcome to the Young Critics Podcast. I'm Colin Culleton and joined today by Alana Brent and Jamie Waddle. The Oscars got us thinking all about the movies that we now consider to be classics. Um, some films that are critically acclaimed don't really age so well. Um, so today we're going to be discussing what it means to be a classic movie and do the celebrated movies of recent years have the legs to become classics. So I guess what we can start with, guys, is what to us makes a classic movie? A movie that um, encapsulates a time and a place in a way that it's kind of, it's intangible. Like, I think a classic movie will bring you straight to a moment in time and kind of, like, get you there. So, like, look, look, looking back and, like, that, I think that's why now some classic movies can feel quite old and quite kind of tired because it's very much of that time and place and for that moment in time yeah. is defining. I think it's kind of filmmakers coming up with new ways to talk about the human condition. And oftentimes, a lot of films that we consider classics, it's because of the different story- storytelling and like, camera techniques that they used, which obviously in the 30s and 40s would have been brand new for their time. But now we see we see it an awful lot in movies nowadays. We're like, oh yeah, I see this camera technique and this way of telling a story is kind of the same as how this movie and this movie and this filmmaker told the story. So I think it's kind of coming up with new ways express kind of the human condition that's an interesting point i think so what i wonder then is what you're kind of talking about is genre maybe genre defining or something that that progresses film is there a difference between a genre defining film and a classic film so i think for me i would say that a genre defining film would be more would be more iconic i think i like iconic I, i mean i don't know the exact definition but i think like it is like that is the epitome of that type of thing. So I think like an like an iconic sci-fi movie would be Back to the Future. An iconic disaster movie would be like The Day After Tomorrow. I think so. I, I think I for me, iconic is the genre-defining one, and then a classic film can be. I think there there could be multiple classics for each genre. Yeah, I kind of agree with you there, Jamie. But I I feel like having multiple classics for a specific genre then would kind of take away the how can I say it like how special that classic is like mm-hmm. if that if that kind of makes sense like obviously in Not one genre you, you can't have about 20 classics in like the rom-com genre because then suddenly it kind of takes away how how special that one classic that every that everyone's heard of would be mm-hmm. if, that, if that kind of makes sense yeah that makes sense is a classic then determined by its place in the timeline? Maybe, yeah. Because films, obviously, like, looking back, there are, there are so many classics, like It's a Wonderful Life and Wizard of Oz, which kind of came about more near the start of when films were starting to become popular. And obviously, there was, for a while, there was a specific way people made films. And then, like, I'm going to use Wizard of Oz here. Obviously, every, like, a lot of films were black and white. And Wizard of Oz, you'd never seen a film that made the jump from black and white to Technicolor. So that's why it kind of, it, like using that technique, that's, what, that's how it made its place like in film history. And so all these films back then using these new techniques, that's what kind of like a lot of times cemented them in filmmaking history. What about, um, what about though the, the, the 
popularity of a film or the love that and uh, a, a people like can have for a film. Yeah, no, that I, that would that would definitely play a part in it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the love from the audience and the fans and everything. So, do you do you think a film which technically is not particularly the highest quality, but um, just had such an impact on an audience? So, would you say that could become a classic film? That would probably be more of a cult classic, and we'll be discussing that in another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good that's a good uh, distinction to make cult classic mm-hmm. and, and classic because yeah, I yeah. think a, a classic kind of has to be a good film. Yeah, you know, I think kind so. of done, like done well. I think I think doing well in the box office as well kind of plays a part in it being a classic because cult classics famously don't do very well in the box office, mm-hmm. and yet they're so well-known later on like the rocky horror picture show obviously mm-hmm. wasn't didn't do amazing when it came out as a movie but it had such a following from like obviously it was a theater show first and it got such a following from that and obviously only like a specific group of people would have watched the rocky horror picture show and then and obviously what they they do like the live reactions and the audience participation and all of that like you wouldn't really have audience participation watching it's a wonderful life <laughs> as you would watching the Rocky Horror Show. <laughs> so I think like cult classics and I'm using air quotes here, normal classics are two, they have two very different, they have very different aspects that make them what they are. So there's a difference between enjoying a film and it being a classic film, an enjoyable film and a classic film. <laughs> well, what do you think about that, Alan? I think you, you were mentioning something before we started about like going back on uh, to, to old classics and whether yeah, they like, age well. Like I've recently, because I've gotten this kind of like scratch off list of like one of the 100 best movies. So I've making my way through that. And a lot of them are kind of like older and you know, like, like 12 Angry Men and films like that. And it got me started into watching older movies. And I have found myself very underwhelmed by some movies like Casablanca. I found very boring while watching it, though I can understand the impact of it, because for starters, it's a World War II film that came out during World War II, which is very rare, like really not a lot of films. And it was also from the point of view of like refugees and people trying to escape Germany, which which you don't see very often. Usually World War II films are from the point of soldiers who fought in the war. And also, and I really hope I don't get any hate for this. I was very underwhelmed by It's a Wonderful Life, which I only watched in December just gone. Because I think I was misled <laughs> by what it was about. Because I thought the whole film was going to be about George and Clarence, and Clarence was going to be bringing him through his life and being like, oh, well, if you weren't here, then this wouldn't have happened. But it was just the last 20 minutes. <laughs> so I was a bit annoyed with that. I, and also, kind of watching it, like, I understand, like, oh, yeah, like he has this, George has a great life. But I also couldn't help but feel sorry for him. I don't know if that's just me being a film student and looking, probably looking more than I should into a movie. Because once you st- once you study film, it ruins film for you. <laughs> I'm watching it, and I'm like, I understand he had like he has a wife and kids and a job, but at the same time, he wanted so much more out of life. But be- but I know because of him, all these other people had wonderful lives, and I I just I feel a bit sorry for him. I don't know if I was meant to feel sorry for him, <laughs> but like I I ended up being sorry for him because he wanted to do all these ma- all these wonderful things. But he ended up having watch other people have all the things he wanted, if that makes sense. I, I felt bad and I felt underwhelmed by the movie. And also Citizen Kane, I was like, I can get why it was good at the time, 
but for the benefit of the podcast, Jamie's making faces at me. <laughs> I know. I, I, I think we're, we're, we're going to mention um, classics that we would recommend later. And I was going to say Citizen Kane was up there for me because I, I, I went into it expecting to be underwhelmed. Like, but um, I don't know. I think to me, it felt quite modern in a very strange way. Like it's as in because so I think the kind of the reason it's so iconic is because Orson Welles didn't really know how to make a movie. So he just like told people around him, right, we need to do this, this and this, which had never been done before. But and then they created it. So like they kind of used matte paintings. And I know so there's a scene in Citizen Kane where um he's making a speech and there's kind of his big face behind him. There's a um long shot taken away. And it's a matte painting where they've cut out where like where the um where Citizen Kane would be doing a speech, but then they've also made little incisions in the painting and have lights flashing which makes it look like people are moving about and like it really tricks you when you're watching it. And it's just, it's stuff like that, I think. Yeah, it is cool in that way. I do understand, obviously, it was like kind of more techniques, but I just watched it and I was like, yeah, it's okay. I understand why it's good. And I feel kind of guilty. I didn't enjoy it as much as I should have. Like that's like, that's what I'm kind of, that's what like the last few um, kind of classic films I've watched. I'm just mm-hmm. like, I should be enjoying this, but I'm not. And now I feel bad. <laughs> Do any of you kind of like get that? Have you ever had that with a film? Oh yeah, for sure. For suppose, sure. yeah, I suppose. But this is this is one of the things that it comes back to with 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 films is that people always have a part. Like if if someone grows up watching a film, uh, they're going to feel more like that could be a classic. So like I didn't yeah. grow, I haven't actually watched Citizen Kane, but I know that a lot of people say, oh, that's the greatest film of all time. And I, I like uh, even having not watched it, I can already guarantee there have been better films made since then. Because when was it made? It was, it was... oh, like the sixties, I think. Well, technically now, according to Martin Tomatoes, Paddington Two is the greatest film of all time. <laughs> Which I heartily <laughs> agree with. Nineteen forty-one, Citizen Kane was made. Yeah, and for that time period, it, it is a pretty good film. Yeah, to be made in nineteen forty-one. You always have to have to kind of look at that. And I think that's what we've been talking about a bit now, that you kind of to be able to look at something where it was situated. But yeah. what do you guys think the difference is between a personal film, like a, a, a real personal favorite and a classic? Are you guys able to separate that? As, as, as film reviewers and critics, do you know when a film is just something you love and when it's actually something that really is on that level? So, yeah. Yeah. I think I can because like I love Star Wars I have more of a personal collect- connection to like the Italian film Cinema Paradiso which I think probably more like the Italians it would be deemed a classic and I think it is a classic so yeah it's like I love Star Wars but I think Cinema Paradiso is a classic <laughs> if that makes sense like <laughs> I can make that distinction Star Wars yeah. not a classic I don't know <laughs> <laughs> or is Star Wars iconic? That's the question. Yeah, Star Wars. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We may have. That may be an We've cracked it. That's the difference. Okay, <laughs> goodbye, everybody. That's. that's <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think for me, it's, it's, it's the example I always use, and it's, I, I tell everyone I know because I'm very proud of this. But one of my favorite films is Pacific Rim, which unquestionably is not a classic because it's. I mean, it reviewed it reviewed quite well. I think it's on like its meta scores. I think like sixty five or something, something like that. So it's pretty, it's like above average. But it's just for for me, it was a case of a film which could so easily have been utterly garbage. But 
like one like the director basically put his heart and soul into it and did like put everything into it and put way much way more effort than was necessary and he turned it into a good movie so for me that for me that is a classic it's like it's a classic for me i think it's got the potential to become a cult classic i think it's kind of getting there now i think especially with um oh what was so like with the new um, kong and godzilla movie any reviewer i've ever seen talking about that has always said look at Pacific Rim for what this could have been. Like, so I think that has potential to be a cult classic, but um, for, for it to be a classic, I think it needs to have had like the, like a critical consensus of it being considered that and have like a certain, maybe not a certain score, but like a certain esteem to it. Right. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. Yeah. Um, speaking of critical, having, having that kind of critical response, I wonder then... When we're talking about Oscar movies and Oscar winners, do do Oscar winners do a good job of predicting the classics? So I think the, the one example always comes to mind for me is um, I think it was 1994. And that was so Forrest Gump won that year. But in that same year, you had um, Pulp Fiction, you had Shawshank Redemption. Um, I think there was one other that was nominated. Four Weddings and a Funeral, I think. That yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good like, so I think all of them have gone on to eclipse Forrest Gump in both critical and uh, personal um, taste. Yeah, so I think... uh, I'd go Shawshank Redemption over Forrest Gump. Personally, <laughs> I think I think a lot of people would. <laughs> <laughs> like I but enjoyed I mean, Forrest still, Gump, but yeah. Shawshank Redemption I feel was a bit more award worthy. That makes bit. sense. A little bit. <laughs> Forrest Gump might be more quotable. I don't know, but maybe yeah. quotability doesn't matter so much. I mean, Sometimes I mean, I'd does. say Pulp Fiction is more quotable than all of them. So. Right, that's that's <laughs> probably true. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it, it kind of brings up diff- different th- issues of like, so in two thousand three, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King won, uh, and one of my favorite films, Lost in Translation, was up for it. I think Lost in Translation is a more beautiful film, but Lord of the Rings is probably more influential. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll have to admit, but you know, it just kind of always brings up those interesting questions of what are they looking for in a film in those but I think what wasn't the Return of the King wasn't that kind of that won all the Oscars because the other ones hadn't it was seen as a kind of not what not not yeah. well, it's not a pity one but like a kind of as you say a legacy <laughs> one just like pity Oscar. We, 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 we need we need to show that we know how important these were so they just gave them all the awards yeah it was like the opposite no. with with the Godfather like Godfather <laughs> one and two won Oscars and Godfather three didn't it's yeah. like you have enough <laughs> Yeah, but they're not always. I mean, I think we can we can admit that they're not always on the ball with things. They some they sometimes drop it, you know. Yeah, um, I think it all depends on what they're looking for that year. Because from what I've seen, like obviously in early days with the Oscars, it would have been like even just films that were nominated. It would have been more kind of gladiator movies and Spartan films because of, like the production value and obviously the film was still relatively new. Whereas now, what I'm seeing is kind of more true stories. Mm-hmm. Like there are a lot of kind of like biographical films that are like either winning or that are nominated or you know films where women fall in love with fish <laughs> <laughs> which one was that i missed that one. <laughs> oh, the shape of water is it water, shape yeah. of water. i haven't seen it but i was really i was like really that one yeah that, was, that i really that enjoyed happens. it i won't lie i really enjoyed that movie well, I think that can, because sometimes you can enjoy them, but you just think, and, and especially after the fact, if you watch it after knowing it won, you're thinking, oh, it's a good movie, but I can't believe that it, it beat whatever the, the other thing is, you know? Like, Get Out was also nominated that year. 
I thought Get Out, Get Out was fantastic. Yeah, it's a better movie, definitely. Yeah. It probably just all depends like what the Oscar committee or whatever is looking for that year and obviously like critical acclaim and everything. I think was that, that year Green Book one, I think that was probably one of the worst in the last decade because I think they, they basically, I think that Green Book won because the vote was split between two other films and like two other films which were critically and kind of publicly seen as better were fighting for it, but they split the votes, then Green Book kind of came up through the middle and just pipped it because it's so middle of the road and it didn't offend anyone so that's why it won that was an interesting i actually watched that last night and i enjoyed the film but i kind of i did end up thinking and this actually could go into our next question of looking at modern films because when i watched green book the first thing i thought was i enjoyed the film but i don't know if i'll remember this I don't know if I yeah. think of it as a classic or it will be one of the most important films I've ever watched. I just enjoyed it. So in terms of modern winner, Oscar winners or modern, modern critically acclaimed films, do we think that anything has the legs? I think Moonlight. Nice. I, I, I think Moonlight in about 30, 35 years, it's still, it's still going to be remembered. I, I, think, I think it has the, um, like the ability and the storytelling technique and everything for that. So yeah, mm-hmm. that, that would be my vote, Moonlight. Nice. I actually haven't seen it yet, but I, uh, upon oh, that recommendation, so I must I must check it out. Oh, it's so good! Beautiful, Jamie. What do you think? Do they do the modern winners? Any anything that you've seen? Does it have the legs, or maybe not? Of, of modern winners, um... or even films. You know, any of the modern films that you've seen now that were critically acclaimed. I know. Let's take. Have you seen Parasite? Yes. Oh. Parasite is one of the ones for me that I feel like will be remembered. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it yet. We won't spoil it or anything. Do not spoil it. But <laughs> no, I won't say a I do. I do really want to watch it. But that's that's one of those ones that I feel it just it it's it's clever. It's focusing on a theme that feels universal, mm-hmm. and it looks really nice. And I think that's really <laughs> important as well. So you know, I know that sounds simple. It's a fine looking film. Fine looking film. <laughs> I, I struggle to think. I think, like you say, Green Book was probably a good example there, Jamie, of a film that probably doesn't. It's a bit yeah. of a disappointment. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and there are plenty that are always nominated that I feel like, oh my God, please, that can't. <laughs> you know, that, that one wasn't very impressive. But I suppose we've come to coming to the end of our time there, but would anybody like to give a recommendation of a classic film they think our audience should check out? Full of Angry Men. I watched that. Bit disappointing because only like eleven of the men were angry. I watched it recently, <laughs> and it's one of those. So it's kind of like a bit like a claustrophobic film because it all takes place in the one room, and like it has very good techniques. Obviously, taking place in the one room, and similar to that of like Rear Window, like all in one room, and the te- like the temperature in the in the room's getting hotter, and obviously like tensions are rising while they're all trying to like figure out because it's like a it's like a courtroom thing. And they're all trying to like figure out whether this kid is guilty or not guilty. It's I just thought it was absolutely amazing. And if you haven't seen Twelve Angry Men, I recommend it. So Twelve Angry Men was going to be my recommendation also. Really? <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. We no, should have discussed I this. Mean, that's just a double endorsement for it, isn't it? It's just it's just a fantastic movie. Um, right, what would my pick be? So in, in my head right now, I'm thinking 2001: A Space Odyssey because I have not it, seen that, but I have heard good things. It's on my list. Like, <laughs> 
it's it's not kind of the standard movie you'd get because there's a it's it's like an opera almost it's just it's a lot of music and a lot of just imagery and beautiful imagery and kind of psychedelic imagery but it's it just it just takes you on a ride which is kind of unparalleled i was lucky enough to see it in the cinema at um film festival recently and it's just it's i think it's about two and a half hours long but it just flies by it really just kind of draws you in and it's just there's the special effects in that movie look as good if not better than a lot of special effects today and that just blows my mind every time so i think that would be my recommendation yeah now that you're on the kubrick thing i keep i'm thinking of the shining which i've watched quite a few times now i think i and and that's interesting because i think think we we talked a bit about theme and stuff like that and it, it mightn't have a very universal theme but it's just an entertaining and fantastic film. I guess it, I think it really gives to the world of cinema, which probably is what we landed on most when we were talking about a classic. So yeah, good stuff. Um, if I have another recommendation. Go um, for it. It would be One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. which Jack is... Nicholson going on, staying on <laughs> board. That, 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 that's another one, which I think, I think that one, so it was one of the, la- I think the one of only about three films that have won the top five awards at the Oscars. So it ties in well but um yeah I, I saw that and it's just so like, like Danny, Danny DeVito's in it and you wouldn't even notice he, he, <laughs> he plays one of the characters and he just like just floats and he's just in the background you wouldn't notice because it's he's so kind of lost in the character but it's just everything about that movie is amazing and it's definitely worth a watch great thank you well thanks Identity. for listening <laughs> but thanks for listening everybody Identity. and we uh we, uh, we enjoyed talking i hope you enjoyed listening and we'll catch you next time maybe next time we'll be talking about cult classics and we'll get to get a little bit of a different <laughs> definition all right thank you